0: Hello, friends. It's June 28th, and we are in week 26 of our Bible reading journey. And before we finish out this week, we will have crossed the halfway point in reading through all 66 books of the Bible in a year. So I want to say to all of those who have been faithful to stay with us from the beginning of the year, well done. And if you are just joining us today, please know you are welcome. There are many wonderful mountain peaks of Revelation to cover in the second half of the journey, and you will be able to catch up on all of the Psalms as we read through the book of Psalms twice in our tour. My name is David McAdam, pastor and teacher at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts, and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide Podcast, episode number 179. And today we find ourselves in the territory of the historical narratives in both the Old and New Testaments the second book of Kings in the Old Testament, and the book of the Acts of the Apostles in the New Testament. We are going to pick up where we left off yesterday, starting 2 Kings chapter 13 with verse 1, as Jehoahaz reigns in Israel. 2 Kings 13 verse 1. In the 23rd year of Joash, the son of Ahaziah, king of Judah, Jehoahaz, the son of Jehu, began to reign over Israel and Samaria, and he reigned seventeen years. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and followed the sins of Jeroboam the son of Nebat, which he made Israel to sin. He did not depart from them. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he gave them continually into the hand of Hazael king of Syria, and into the hand of Ben-Hadad the son of Hazael. Then Jehoahaz sought the favor of the Lord, and the Lord listened to him, for he saw the oppression of Israel, how the king of Syria oppressed them. Therefore the Lord gave Israel a savior, so that they escaped from the hand of the Syrians, and the people of Israel lived in their homes as formerly. Nevertheless they did not depart from the sins of the house of Jeroboam, which he made Israel to sin, but walked in them, and the Asherah also remained in Samaria. For there was not left to Jehoaz an army of more than fifty horsemen and ten chariots and ten thousand footmen, For the king of Syria had destroyed them and made them like the dust at threshing. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoahaz, and all that he did, and his might, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Jehoahaz slept with his fathers, and they buried him in Samaria, and Joash his son reigned in his place. Jehoash reigns in Israel. In the thirty-seventh year of Joash king of Judah, Jehoash, the son of Jehoahaz, began to reign over Israel in Samaria, and he reigned sixteen years. He also did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which he made Israel to sin, but he walked in them. Now the rest of the acts of Joash and all that he did, and the might with which he fought against Amaziah king of Judah, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Joash slept with his fathers, And Jeroboam sat on his throne, and Joash was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel. Now when Elisha had fallen sick with the illness of which he was to die, Joash king of Israel went down to him and wept before him, crying, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And Elisha said to him, Take a bow and arrows. So he took a bow and arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, Draw the bow. And he drew it. And Elisha laid his hands on the king's hands. And he said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Syria. For you shall fight the Syrians in Aphek until you have made an end of them. And he said, Take the arrows. And he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, Strike the ground with them and he struck three times and stopped. Then the man of God was angry with him and said, You should have struck five or six times, then you would have struck down Syria until you have made an end of it, but now you will strike down Syria only three times. So Elisha died and they buried him. Now bands of Moabites used to invade the land in the spring of the year. And as a man was being buried, behold, a marauding band was seen, and the man was thrown into the grave of Elisha, and as soon as the man touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood on his feet. Now Hazael, king of Syria, oppressed Israel all the days of Jehoahaz. But the Lord was gracious to them and had compassion on them, and He turned toward them because of His covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and would not destroy them, nor has He cast them from His presence until now. When Hazael, king of Syria, died, Ben-Hadad his son became king in his place. Then Jehoash, the son of Jehoahaz, took again from Ben-Hadad the son of Hazael the cities that he had taken from Jehoahaz his father in war. Three times Joash defeated him and recovered the cities of Israel. Chapter 14 In the second year of Joash, the son of Jehoahaz, king of Israel, Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, began to reign. He was twenty-five years old when he began to reign, and he reigned twenty-nine years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jehoadin of Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, yet not like David his father. He did in all things as Joash his father had done. But the high places were not removed. The people still sacrificed and made offerings on the high places and as soon as the royal power was firmly in his hand, he struck down his servants who had struck down the king his father. But he did not put to death the children of the murderers, according to what is written in the book of the Law of Moses, where the Lord commanded, Fathers shall not be put to death because of their children, nor shall children be put to death because of their fathers, but each one shall die for his own sin. He struck down ten thousand Edomites in the Valley of Salt, and took Selah by storm, and called it Jachthiel, which is its name to this day. Then Amaziah sent messengers to Jehoash, the son of Jehoahaz, son of Jehu, king of Israel, saying, Come, let us look one another in the face. And Jehoash, king of Israel, sent word to Amaziah, king of Judah. A thistle on Lebanon sent to a cedar on Lebanon, saying, Give your daughter to my son for a wife, and a wild beast of Lebanon passed by and trampled down the thistle. You have indeed struck down Edom, and your heart has lifted you up. Be content with your glory and stay at home, for why should you provoke trouble so that you fall, you and Judah with you? But Amaziah would not listen. So Jehoash, king of Israel, went up, and he and Amaziah, king of Judah, faced one another in battle at Beth Shemesh, which belongs to Judah. And Judah was defeated by Israel, and every man fled to his home. And Jehoash, king of Israel, captured Amaziah, king of Judah, the son of Jehoash, son of Ahaziah, at Bethshemesh, and came to Jerusalem, and broke down the wall of Jerusalem for four hundred cubits, from the Ephraim gate to the corner gate; and he seized all the gold and silver, and all the vessels that were found in the house of the Lord, and in the treasuries of the king's house, also hostages, and he returned to Samaria. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoash that he did, and his might, and how he fought with Amaziah king of Judah, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Jehoash slept with his fathers, and was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel, and Jeroboam his son reigned in his place. Amaziah the son of Joash king of Judah lived fifteen years after the death of Jehoash son of Jehoahaz, king of Israel. Now the rest of the deeds of Amaziah, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? And they made a conspiracy against him in Jerusalem, and he fled to Lachish. But they sent after him to Lachish, and put him to death there. And they brought him on horses, and he was buried in Jerusalem with his fathers in the city of David. And all the people of Judah took Azariah, who was sixteen years old, and made him king instead of his father Amaziah. He built elath and restored it to judah after the king slept with his fathers in the fifteenth year of amaziah the son of joash king of judah jeroboam the son of joash king of israel began to reign in samaria and he reigned forty-one years and he did what was evil in the sight of the lord he did not depart from all the sins of jeroboam the son of nebot which he made israel to sin he restored the border of israel from lebo hamath as far as the sea of the Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke by his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet, who was from Gath-Hefer. For the Lord saw that the affliction of Israel was very bitter, for there was none left, bond or free, and there was none to help Israel. But the Lord had not said that he would blot out the name of Israel from under heaven, so he saved them by the hand of Jeroboam, the son of Joash." Now the rest of the acts of Jeroboam, and all that he did, and his might, how he fought, and how he restored Damascus and Hamath to Judah in Israel, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? And Jeroboam slept with his fathers, the kings of Israel, and Zechariah his son reigned in his place. And this concludes today's portion from our reading in the book of Second Kings. Now let's take a few moments to reflect upon what we have just read. There is a particularly interesting incident that takes place prior to the death of Elisha. We read about the king of Israel, Jehoash, not the Joash Jehoash of Judah, whom we read about in the previous chapter, the surviving son of Ahaziah. Jehoash of Israel makes a trip to pay respects to the prophet Elisha before he dies. Elisha's ministry is not yet over. On his deathbed he is still prophesying. He tells Jehoash to take arrows and open the east window. The east window would be facing Israel's enemies, the Aramean kingdoms, but also the rising sun. The king was told to shoot arrows from the window to the ground east of his residence. The prophet's words are very important. Take the bow in your hands, Second Kings chapter 13 verse 15. The prophet's actions are also very important. Elisha put his hands on the king's hands, 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 16. This reminds us that we are called to accomplish victories in our lives and experience the gracious ministry of God's hand being placed upon the work of our hands. There is a balance between God's sovereignty and human responsibility. God is 100% sovereign. We are 100% responsible. God gives us opportunities and provides what is needed for victory, but we can limit our experience of victory by our lack of desire, our lack of persistence, or our lack of follow-through. The meaning of the prophetic action is clear. Elisha tells the king what the arrows represent before he shoots the arrows. These represent something beyond what is conventionally known in the world of archery. This was not a mere act of sportsmanship. What will you do with the arrows God gives you? What will you do with the opportunities he gives you to have victory over the enemies that war against your soul? Take the arrows and strike the ground. King Jehoash takes the arrows but only strikes the ground three times. The prophet knew Jehoash had more arrows in his quiver that went unused. The man of God was angry with him and said, You should have struck the ground five or six times, then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it but now you will defeat it only three times. 2 Kings chapter 13 verse 19. These are Elisha's last recorded words. How sad. He is telling the king of Israel that his lack of desire, persistent effort, or vision of spiritual realities has left him and his nation falling short of their potential, even suffering defeat. What about you? Have you stopped short of gaining victory by resigning to a lack of spiritual desire, distractions, or discouragement? Of course Israel was still in a state of disobedience and undeserving of any favor from the Lord. However, because of God's faithfulness to His covenant, He still made His voice known through the prophets. Elisha gave King Jehoash an opportunity to experience God's hand upon His hand and obtain victory over the Arameans. He struck the ground with the arrow of God's victory three times, and was able to defeat Ben-Hadad of Aram three times, in Second Kings 13, verse 25. Whereas all the kings of the northern kingdom, Israel, did evil in the sight of the Lord, there were kings in Judah who did what was right in the Lord's eyes, yet with still some areas of idolatry not removed, 2 Kings 14, verse 4. Amaziah is an example of this kind of king. King Amaziah of the southern kingdom Judah sent messengers to meet with King Jehoash of the northern kingdom of Israel face to face in battle. King Jehoash warns King Amaziah with a parable and tells him to stay at home. King Ahaziah ignores the warning and pays dearly. Jehoash captures King Amaziah at Beth Shemesh and then proceeds to attack Jerusalem, destroying a 600-foot section of the city wall. The Ephraim gate to the corner gate, seizing the articles of the temple and treasuries, as well as taking hostages from Jerusalem to Samaria. Amaziah outlives King Jehoash by fifteen years, but he has forced him to flee Jerusalem to Lachish, where conspirators kill him. His body is taken back to Jerusalem and buried. King Jehoash of Israel is succeeded by his son Jeroboam, not to be confused with the first renegade king of Israel as a northern breakaway kingdom, Jeroboam son of Nebat. This Jeroboam, Jeroboam the 2nd, restored the boundaries of Israel to the Sea of the Araba, the Dead Sea, in Joshua chapter 3 verse 16, fulfilling a prophecy given by Jonah. Jonah was not the only prophet active at this time, but this prophecy was known by the writer even though not found in the book of Jonah. This Jeroboam mercifully saves Israel through his military achievements. Now let's go to today's reading from the New Testament, the book of Acts chapter 18, verses 23, through chapter 19, verse 12. Acts chapter 18, verse 23. After spending some time there, he departed and went from one place to the next, through the region of Galatia and Phrygia, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the Scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. Chapter 19 And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? They said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about twelve men in all. And he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. And this concludes our reading from the New Testament portion from the book of Acts. In today's reading, we learned of Apollos and his ministry at Ephesus. He had a partial understanding of the ministry of Jesus, not understanding the finished work of redemption that Jesus accomplished on the cross. Remember that throughout Jesus' teaching ministry, many who heard him traveled throughout the Roman world, They told people about Jesus' baptism by John, his teaching and miracles, yet not realizing that Jesus had fulfilled the scriptures as the Redeemer, living, dying, and rising as a substitute for the penitent believer. They did not have the full story of the gospel. Apollos was from Alexandria in Egypt, the second most important city in the Roman Empire. It was a center of education and culture a great commercial city in Egypt and North Africa named after Alexander. Apollos was known as a powerful communicator. However, he only communicated what he had learned from the early years of John the Baptist's ministry. John focused on repentance of sin. He did not understand the good news that forgiveness, reconciliation, regeneration, and being put into the community of the Spirit through faith in Christ were to be available gifts when one trusts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Priscilla and Aquila filled in the blanks in Apollos' understanding of the gospel message, telling him about the significance of Christ's cross and the gift of the Holy Spirit given to the church at Pentecost. It is no wonder that when Paul gets to Ephesus, those that he met there were only partial believers. They had not yet to hear the message of truth, and therefore were not yet sealed with a spirit. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13, when Paul preaches the gospel, this party from Ephesus believe, are baptized, and experience the same manifestation gifts that were experienced by some of the believers at Pentecost. Paul preached Christ for three months in the synagogues, before he hired the lecture hall of Tyrannus where he could teach without resistance of the Jews who were publicly maligning him. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, even including people being healed and delivered from demons by just touching his handkerchiefs and aprons that people were bringing to them. Let's move on now to our next stop on our Bible tour, the book of Psalms, Put Not Your Trust in Princes, Psalm 146, praise the lord praise the lord o my soul i will praise the lord as long as i live i will sing praises to my god while i have my being put not your trust in princes in a son of man in whom there is no salvation when his breath departs he returns to the earth on that very day his plans perish blessed is he whose help is the god of jacob whose hope is in the lord his god who made heaven and earth. Your God, O Zion, to all generations, praise the Lord. This psalm reminds us that the plans of men that are not related to the kingdom of God will die with them, in Psalm 146, verse 4. God's kingdom lasts forever, for all generations, in verse 10. Do you want to be involved with a cause that will never die or disappoint? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, Matthew 6, verse 33. The Lord acts on behalf of His own, especially considering the needs of the fatherless, the widow, and the foreigner, who might have no other person to care for them. This psalm calls us to praise the Lord our whole life long, Psalm 146, verses 1-2 to and verse 10, and not to put our trust in earthly leaders who cannot save, in Psalm 146, verse 3. The blessing of Jacob rests on those who look to him for help. We can put our trust in god who is all-powerful he made the universe in verses 5 and 6 and upright and altogether good in verse 7 he is the liberator in verse 8a and the lifter in verse 8b who opens blind eyes in verse 8a and provides watch care to those who are often overlooked in verse 9 such as the fatherless and the widow he reigns in righteousness eternally and we can be sure he will execute justice if we do not appeal to his mercy. Have you looked to him for salvation? He is worthy to be praised, in verse 10. Now let's go to the treasure chest of wisdom in the book of Proverbs, chapter 18, verses 2 and 3. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. When wickedness comes, contempt comes also, and with dishonor comes disgrace. Fools prefer to quickly give their own opinion rather than to seek God's wisdom. They would rather pontificate their own estimations than gain better understanding. They love to appear intelligent, but ultimately their appearance will be exposed as an empty facade. When wickedness is exposed, it is usually followed by societal disdain for the perpetrator. This disrespect leads to a sense of shame. This gives us all the more reason to seek to do what is pleasing to the Lord. Now let's pray. Lord God, we want to focus on your eternal plan. We do not want to live for worldly treasure, but want to lay up our treasures in heaven. Thank you for the revelation of the finished work of redemption, that we may know that our sins are forgiven and that we have a right standing before you and a new identity in Christ Jesus. Thank you for showing us the truth about the way to live and giving us the life we need to live it. In Jesus' name, amen. We made good progress today in our Bible reading, and God willing, we'll be with you tomorrow as we continue to read the second book of Kings and the book of Acts. We hope that by now you are well in the groove of a Bible reading habit and are growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To His name be the glory. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can write us at podcast.newlife.org. And if you'd like to know more about New Life Community Church and its ministries, or you would like to subscribe to a daily email with a written copy of our commentary on each day's reading, you can go to our website, newlife.org. So until next time, Shalom.